0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Really quick, before I get into my message, I want to recap something that happened or we talked about last Sunday. Last Sunday, I introduced to you kind of a new goal for our church. and I just shared some vision for the, the next four months as we finish out two, 2023. These next four months, how we are trying to be strategic with the future of our church. You know, we've been in an interesting season where for uh, about a year now, we've been looking for our next step as a church. We're looking for a place for us to have uh, a permanent home where we can have our own building, our own lease space, or our own uh, building that we own, whatever it might be. And so what we've done is uh, temporarily we've been meeting here at the Global Ventures building. And so we use this on Sundays, but obviously during the week, we don't really have a ton of access to it. And so we're believing God for a space of our own that we can have access to uh, 24-7 whenever we need it. Um, And so what we've done is we've tried to be strategic in this season to get ready for what God has next for us. And so we've started this giving campaign called God's House, Our Home. And uh, we've been talking about this for, uh, you know, like I said, not quite a year, but almost a year. And we've just been saying, hey, we're going to start setting aside money, finances, for the future of our church, for the future building of our church, and for the next step that God has for our church. And what's amazing is, I shared this last week, and it's even higher than this, but last week I talked about how um, so far, in less than a year, we've seen $67,000 come into the house fund, which is amazing, which is, yeah, that's worth celebrating and cheer about that. Um, for our church our size in less than a year to see that amount come in is, is pretty phenomenal. That's, a, that's an amazing thing. And so what we've said, though, is we, I feel like God put on my heart that for the next four months that we are going to set a goal, a faith-filled goal, kind of a, a stretch goal, if you will, uh, to get that $67,000 all the way up to $100,000. And so our goal is that in four months we're going to raise and, uh, and give $33,000. And that, can, that is a lot of money. I didn't say it can seem like a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And so, but we feel like, I feel like God put on my heart when we get to that $100,000 mark that we're going to be prepared to do whatever comes next. If we need to put down a down payment in order to purchase a building, we'll be ready to do that. If we get into a lease space that needs a little bit of renovation for our kids ministry and things like that, we will be ready to do that. And so that $100,000 is going to set us up great for the future in uh, the next step that God has for us. And so, thirty-three thousand dollars is a lot of money. And it's like, well, I mean, I can't give you know fifteen thousand dollars. I don't know how we're going to get there. Uh, well, what we did is we put together this big faith estimator. And so, behind me, I have this chart right here that kind of breaks down how can we practically get to thirty-three thousand dollars. At the very top, uh, basically, how it works is from the left over. If one person said, "Hey, over the next four months, I can give five thousand thousand dollars. Or we've had uh, businesses do this. If a business can say, hey, our business can give five thousand dollars over the next four months, the next two categories or or columns here just show you what does that look like per week? What does that look like uh, or per month, per week? It makes it a little bit more tangible because obviously five grand is a lot of money, but when you break it down into per week, some businesses can say, yeah, we can can afford that per uh, per week. Uh, If two people say, hey, we can give $2,500 over the next four, four months. And what's great is even just in this last week, we had one person or one couple say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna take one of those $2,500 marks. And so they, they committed to giving that. All the way down to if 60 people said, hey, I don't got a lot of finances coming in right now, but I, I can give... $100 over the next four months, basically a cup of coffee a week, I can contribute and I can give towards the house fund that amount. And so what I said last week is here's what I'm asking all of us to do. I'm kind of recapping last week because it was a holiday weekend. There's a lot of people uh, that, that weren't here, but here's what I'm asking us to do. If you call Abide Church your church, and this is where you're planted, number one, as always, I'm going to ask you to do what God's word says. And so the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is give what God puts on your heart. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I can be a cheerful giver when I am giving in obedience to what God's prompted me to give. I am not a cheerful i 'm a grumpy giver whenever i don't give what god's prompted me to give or i'm not giving what the amount that god's prompted me to give because i 'm not walking in obedience so I have no peace about giving but I can have cheer uh, cheer i can be, have a cheerful attitude and joy in giving whenever I walk in obedience. The second thing I said is this if um, give and, and can pray about giving if your heart is for the future of this church, if this is where your heart is and this is where you want to be planted in this body i'm going to be bold in saying hey. Pray about what God would have you give towards this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so uh, I, I, realistically, where, I'm say, where if I say my heart is for something, you're probably gonna see it in my bank statement. <laughs> if my, my heart is for something in my life, it's gonna show up with how I'm investing in it financially as well. Now, you may look at this big chart right here, and it's like, that's a lot. And I see some people even taking pictures of it. I got good news for you. Okay, in the seat back in front of you, we made these handy dandy uh, handouts right here. And uh, basically, this has the chart on here. And what I'm asking us to do with this is this is just a um, something that you can take home and you can pray over. Because sometimes you leave here and it's like, I don't remember, or I didn't really see you, and I don't know how much we should give. What what exactly is all the details? We have it on here. And basically, what this is, is it's something that you can fill out in the natural, and you can drop in the drop box in the natural as a faith action to say, you know what, I'm committing to give this much. I'm I'm gonna say, Lord. We are planting this seed. It's almost like the action of planting the seed in this soil of this church. And we're believing it's gonna produce much fruit. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't brought one of these backs to turn in today, we had almost uh, almost all of them were taken out of the seat backs from last week, which is awesome. Continue to pray about it. Talk to your spouse about it. But fill one of these out. And then at the very bottom, there's a couple options where you can you can go on our website. In fact, we'll put up the different ways that you can give. You can go on the website or, or text and give uh, and set it up on your own. Or you can uh, have, if you're like, hey, I just want somebody to, to handle that for me. At the very bottom, uh, safe and secure, you can put your card info on there. And we can... Fill it out, be in contact with you, and get it set up for a reoccurring gift. What's awesome is just in the last week, uh, you know, we, we have a goal there of all those different levels. Just in the last week, we've had ten, uh, over ten different households commit and fill out one of these cards and commit to giving a certain amount over the next four months, which is awesome. I think nine of those, at least nine of those, were uh, on a reoccurring gift. It's already set up reoccurring, so it's already going to be coming out, uh, and so that's a huge, huge deal. And so. As always, take it home, pray about it, see what God would have you do. And I'm believing that, uh, as we like to say around here, our best days are our next days, that our best days are right in front of us. God's going to do something amazing over these next four months as we choose to join together in unity and give a little bit above and beyond our tithe and our offering to see the future of our church move forward uh, in blessing. And so I'm going to take a moment before I get into my message. Let me pray just over our giving, over our church, and then we'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. I thank you that you are true to your word. And Lord, right now, just take a moment. I pray over our church. I pray over our church body, Lord. I thank you that our future as a church is in your hands, that this is your church. We are honored and privileged to steward it uh, while you are away. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom on how to steward it well. I pray that you would give us the finances needed to do all that you are asking us to do. I pray that you would give us clarity, Lord, as individuals on how much we should give, how much we should put towards this, Uh, towards this goal, Lord? Would you make it clear to us? Would you make it abundantly clear to us, Lord? And most importantly, would you give us the help of the Holy Spirit, the boldness to commit by faith? And I believe, Lord, that as we um, operate and we give generously, Lord, your word shows us that we will also reap generously as well, that we will not go and have need, but you will supply every need that we have. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen, amen. Hey, today we are continuing in our series called The School of of the Spirit. And I'm going to encourage you with this. Uh, Today, when you walked in, you might have had somebody hand you one of these note-taking cards. If you're new to our church, we do this every single week. We also have binders out there that you can start collecting these as just a free resource to you. Um, If you didn't grab one of these, we have some on the very back. Right before you go out the doors, there's a little stool right there if you want to grab one. Uh, Feel free to grab one because today I'm going to be covering a lot of material, Okay, I have a lot of scripture. In fact, I've, I probably had to cut out 10 or 12 scriptures that I could have gotten into, but I didn't. But I'm going to cover a lot, and I'm going to go kind of quick. And so this is one of those messages that I would encourage you to listen back to on our podcast, watch back on our YouTube channel. Um, Because I'm going to cover so much, oftentimes, I don't know about for you, but oftentimes uh, when I re-listen to a message, I hear things that I never heard when I was actually in the room listening to it. And so I would encourage you, uh, this is one of those messages where it might take a few times for you to receive and hear every single thing that I'm saying today, but I'm believing that God's going to make it clear to you and he's going to um, uh, produce great fruit in your life. But we do have those available. Hey, today in the School of the Spirit, each week we are asking a big question. And we're answering a big question about the Holy Spirit. The school of the Spirit is about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has been uh, misrepresented, misunderstood in many different seasons of of our lives, maybe of our culture. I think sometimes as we look back, sometimes you may have been in a, a service and something's going on and it's in the name of the Holy Spirit and you just are super confused. Maybe you don't know what is happening. Why is that person doing that? Why is this person on the floor? What is going on? And so sometimes it can be, confusing if it's not taught clearly from God's word. And so what I want to do is I just want to shine a light on who is the Holy Spirit? How does he apply to our lives? How should he be showing up in our church? And in doing so, we can have confidence to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. And so each one of these weeks is pretty important because uh, we've, we've already talked about several different things of who the Holy Spirit is. But today, the big question is, what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And maybe you've grown up in church or maybe you've heard of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and there's always a lot of mixed emotions with it. Some people are like, yeah, let's go, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And other people are like, "Uh, no, thank you. I've heard some stuff about that. My pastor said this about that when I was growing up. That is not for me. That's not for today. And there's a lot of mixed emotions. But today my heart is this, is that I would show you from God's word um, what exactly and clearly what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're going to begin in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to start in verse 1 right here, and I believe this gives us some insight into the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit for every believer. Acts 19, starting in verse 1, it says this, And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't know what you're talking about. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. They spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Very interesting to see that Paul, the first question he asks believers when he comes into contact with them, he finds some believers, he finds some disciples, and what's he say? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Basically, did you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit is what he's asking, and I'll show you that here in just a second. And what did they say? We didn't even know there was one. Like, we we believe in Jesus, their disciples. We've been water baptized. We're good, right? Like that's, that's all we need. And I think that's oftentimes where the church is today. I said a prayer. I raised my hand one time and I said a prayer after a pastor. I got water baptized whenever I felt ready and I felt comfortable to do so. I'm good, right? There's nothing more for me to do. There's nothing more that I have to do in order to walk with Jesus, right? And so I think sometimes we, uh, we stop without getting into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is showing us this, that without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you're missing something very important in your life. You're missing something very important in your life. So here's what I wanna do today. We're gonna go to school and I'm gonna talk about how there are three baptisms available for every believer. There are actually three baptisms available for every believer. Now here's where we get hung up. We think baptism and we think water baptism. That's immediately where our mind goes. And rightfully so, we'll talk about that in just a second, but there are actually three baptisms available. Here's what the word baptize means in the original language even. It means this, an immersion into, to submerge something, to be immersed into something, like put into something, to be totally clothed or covered in something. And so that's why water baptism, that's why we call it that because we're going totally under the water, yes, but there are actually three baptisms available. So I'm gonna get into it. And like I said, take good notes. You might have to listen back, but buckle up. Here we go. The first one is this, the baptism into the body of Christ. There's the baptism into the body of Christ. This is salvation. This is salvation. This is not a religion. This is not when you choose to join a church. This is not when I choose which denomination fits my doctrine and my beliefs. That's not it. Salvation is an immersion into a relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. It's a immersion into, it's a a full-on decision. It's not a part-time thing. It's not a once or twice a month thing. It is, salvation is an immersion into the body of Christ. Let me show you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 says this, "'For we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit.'" We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. I'm going to try to stay on track because there's more I could talk about just that one verse. Here we go. Galatians 3.26. It says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Baptized. And the word "clothed" have the same picture that we're seeing. You will see "clothed" as what being completely covered, being cle- completely surrounded in your life. And so, he's saying, "What you've all been baptized into Christ. You've all been clo- you have clothed or covered yourself, being immersed in." To Christ, you are now in Christ, and that's exactly what uh, abide. The word abide actually means to remain as one. We are one together, His Spirit in our Spirit. Um, This is the first step in our Christian journey. It's an immersion into this relationship and into the family of God. It's an all-in experience. It's again, it's not a part-time thing. It's not just when I feel I feel like a thing. And so, I want to show you this in Scripture as well. We see this in the life of the disciples in John twenty, verse twenty-two it says, this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. He's meeting with his disciples and it says, then he, he being Jesus, breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. In week one, we talked about how the word spirit could often be translated. Um, and It's difficult to translate from the original language, but it could often be translated as breath or a force of air. That's the same thing. So it's, it's interesting that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So, this moment right here is the disciples' salvation moment. Up until this point, they weren't saved as we are saved. They may have believed in Jesus, but at this point, Jesus had paid for all sins. So now they could be free from their sin um, in the new covenant, in the new Testament, as we see it moving forward. This is their salvation moment. Their sins are forgiven and they've received the Holy Spirit on the inside of then. That's why Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. But at this time, they had received the Holy Spirit on the inside, but they hadn't yet received the immersion into the Holy Spirit. Let me break this down. I got this water bottle up here. Let's say this water bottle is empty. This water bottle represents you when it's empty, okay? When you put your faith in Jesus and you say, he is the Lord of my life, I believe I receive my salvation. It's a free gift. God takes his spirit as water and he would fill you up to the top, just like this. You are filled with the spirit. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. But this is not where God desires you to stay. You have the Holy Spirit at salvation. But if this is where you were meant to stay, why would Jesus tell his disciples to wait to receive more from the Holy Spirit. So let's look at it. Acts 1.5, he's already said, receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.5, Jesus says, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if at salvation, the disciples received all that they needed from the Holy Spirit, why did Jesus say in a few days, you're gonna receive more of the Holy Spirit? You see how this is not the end game. This, though, I will make this point. This is all you need to go to heaven, is salvation. You don't need to be water baptized to go to heaven. I'm going to get to that in a second. You don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You need the baptism into the body of Christ, a free gift, not in your works, not anything you can do to earn it. It is a free gift by faith you receive from Jesus, and you can have access to the Father and go into um, eternity in heaven. So here's what happens. At salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He says to his disciples, John baptized with water, and I believe that he, they were baptized with water. But he says, soon you will receive the third baptism. You're going to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. So remember the water bottle here. I'm going to put it over here so I don't knock it down. The second baptism is this, baptism in water. Point number two, baptism in water. So the first one is into the body of Christ. That's your salvation moment. That's when now I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I, am, I can go to heaven. Um, if I die today, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with me. But there is a baptism in water, and this is the most popular one that we see. Water baptism, though, and salvation are not the same event. They're not the same thing, is what I mean. They're not the same thing. You don't have to be water baptized to be saved. And I can say that with all confidence because if you did, that would mean an action of yours got you into heaven. An action of yours earned your salvation. You don't have to be water baptized to be saved because salvation is what? It's a free gift. You cannot earn it. Not because you checked all the right boxes do you get to go to heaven someday. No, did you receive Jesus as Lord and savior of your life? If so, you can have a personal relationship and you can go into heaven someday. Some people will teach that you have to be baptized to go to heaven, but that's not what we see. In the New Testament, that's not what we see at all. In fact, the greatest example is when Jesus is being crucified, and there's a thief on the cross next to him. And what does the thief say? He said he looks at Jesus and he says, "Remember me." That's all he says, "Remember me," right? And what is he saying? In saying "Remember me," he's saying, "I believe, He's the Son of God. Remember me when you go into your kingdom. Remember me." And that moment of faith, those words of faith. What was Jesus' response? "Today, you will be with me in paradise." Jesus didn't look at him and say, ooh, a little too late, my friend. If we could just get him down, and if we could take him down real quick, get him dunked in the water and put him back up here, he's going to be with me in paradise. That's not what he said, right? He said, today, you'll be with me. Why? Because it was faith. He received it by faith. That's what it takes. Um, Accepting, uh, let me show you Acts 2.41 really quick. It says this, that we can see both, both the first two baptisms, Acts 2.41, those who believed what Peter said, what's belief, that's salvation, that's, that's the first baptism, into the body of Christ. Those that believe what Peter said were baptized, water baptism, and added to the church that day. This is a very important order because the accepting the message of Jesus is a private decision that must go public at some point. It's a private decision that must go public at some point. A great example is this, this wedding ring that I wear on my finger, right? I, this means that I am in a covenant relationship with my wife, okay? But this wedding ring, this piece of metal does not make me married. What makes me married is the covenant and the commitment in the covenant that I made on my wedding day between my wife, Leslie, and our holy God in holy matrimony not a piece of paper that says I'm married. That doesn't make me married, okay? Marriage license doesn't make me married. The covenant of our marriage that we swore to one another, that makes me married. But this ring is an outward declaration of that covenant. I wear this boldly to say, I'm glad that I am in a covenant relationship. This ring has the potential for a lot of things, right? This this declaration, this public declaration it can, it can keep people out of a lot of trouble. It can keep people out of a lot of awkward situations, right? Like, hey, I, I'm, I'm good. Like, I, I'm married, okay? I'm, I'm covered. I, I'm in a relationship, and I'm serious about it. It's the same way with our, uh, with our salvation. It must go public at some point because Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Disown me before men, and I will disown you before my... Father. It's an important thing. It's when we go under the water, again, baptized, what? Immersion into. So I'm going under the water. Just as Jesus laid down in the grave and came back to life, that's what it's symbolizing. I am serious about dying to my old self, my old life being cut off for me. I'm leaving it in the water and I'm coming back up a new creation and I'm gonna walk in the fullness of what God has for me. It is a cutting off of my old life. It's a declaration to the people around me. I am a new creation in Christ. I am moving forward in a serious covenant relationship with the living God. Number three is this, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Everybody with me so far? <laughs> Parker gave me the thumbs up, so we must be good. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we see salvation. We see water baptism. Now for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me get my water bottle back out for you. You've received Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, just like this water is on the inside of the water bottle. Here's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is like. Imagine with me for a second, a Colorado river not the Arkansas River, that's dirty and disgusting, okay? Colorado River, fresh water, living water, white water, flowing, powerful, coming out of the mountains, going, moving, active. Imagine me taking this full bottle of water and putting it in that river. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two things happen. Number one, not only now do I have water on the inside of this bottle, but I have water totally surrounding. It is fully immersed into the river. It is completely surrounded by water, not just on the inside, but all around it. But here's one of the most powerful things that happens is the second thing. This bottle now will go wherever the river wants it to go. And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is no longer static, and unmoving, and comfortable, and how you would expect it to be. God's desire is that you would be filled with the Spirit, but then you would be immersed in the Spirit. And when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, He will guide you and take you to places that you thought, I never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be doing this for Jesus. I never thought that I would be in this situation. I never thought I had the boldness to stand up to that person that's been pushing me around all these years. Where did this boldness, this righteous boldness come from? I never thought I'd get past that addiction. The Holy Spirit's guiding, moving, directing you, not where you want to go, where he wants you to go. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He's gonna move you. He's gonna guide you. He's gonna direct you. And he's gonna move you where he wants you to go. So let me show you in scripture, how important that is so that we don't just end up being static Christians, but that we are active and moving wherever God wants us to go. In Acts 8, you know, sometimes people feel embarrassed that their kids are allowed in service and things like that. But can I tell you, it's a good thing to have a church that has kids. Amen, somebody? That's life. That's the future of our church. Like, it's okay. Kids will be kids. Like, it's okay to, it's okay to, hear kids once in a while, right? Like, what would Jesus be doing? He'd probably be in the kids ministry right now, loving on kids. He probably wouldn't be in here if he was here physically, right? Anyway, that's besides the point. So just put your, all your parents' mind at ease for a second. Uh, In Acts chapter 8, here's what we see. We see Philip preaching in Samaria. Uh, As he's preaching in Samaria, many people are saved they're water baptized, there are miracles taking place. Scripture says there's great joy in the city, which I love that. That's how it should be. There's great joy in the city. We're going to pick up in Acts 8.14. It says this, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Once again, if just faith to receive salvation and just water baptism was all we needed, why, why did Peter and John feel compelled to travel from Jerusalem to Samaria if, if that's all we needed, if that's all God had for his people? They said, no, we are gonna go and we're going to make sure they get the fullness, the immersion into the spirit that is, that is for them. We're going to make sure that they receive all that God has for them. Now, this baptism is for power. It's for boldness. It's for your spiritual success here on this earth is what it's for. It's so you can properly represent Jesus everywhere that you go. If... We say we're disciples of Jesus. Jesus should be our example. So if we say there's three baptisms available for every believer, we should see this in the life of Jesus, correct? He's our example, right? So where is it? The, well, the first one is this. Did Jesus need to be saved? No, he's the savior, right? Uh, uh, scripture says you must be born again. That's spiritual. He didn't have to be born again. He was born again perfect the first, or he was born perfect the first time. There's no born again experience. So he, he didn't have to have the first baptism, but we do see what? Water baptism, and we do see after he was water baptized, scripture says the Holy Spirit descended upon him or fell on him like a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a dove, but it descended upon him or fell on him like a dove. Isn't that what just Acts 8 said? It says in verse 16, for he, he has yet fallen upon none of them. Fallen upon, descended upon none of them. That was Jesus' baptism in the Holy Spirit after his water baptism. If Jesus... The son of God needed this baptism. How much more do we need it? We need it. It was only after Jesus received the third baptism did he begin to do miracles. Did he begin to walk in the fullness of what God his father had called him to do for this earth at this time. The purpose of this baptism is to send you and to release you to do the work of the ministry. Think about it for Peter. Peter, the night Jesus was betrayed and was getting ready to go to the cross, Peter could not confess Jesus to a little girl. But days later, he is preaching Jesus to thousands. The only thing that changed in Peter was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He received a salvation moment. He had been water baptized and now he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he would boldly proclaim Jesus when he could not even say Jesus, that he followed Jesus to a little girl. Thousands were saved because he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Isn't it a shame that this has been turned into the weird thing in the church? the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the weird thing. Hey, you need to be saved. You need to be water baptized. Don't you touch that baptism in the Holy Spirit stuff. But I would raise this question. Wouldn't that be one of the greatest tricks of the devil to make this baptism out of all of them the weirdest? Because this one is the one that contains your power. It's the one that contains your boldness. It's the one that contains your victory. So the devil will do anything in his power to say, you know what, if I lose one to salvation, but if they have boldness to preach and to live it out, that creates a ripple effect where many and, and family trees can be saved. I, will not, I don't want them to have that. Don't let the weirdness of what you've seen or heard make you run from this baptism. As I wrap up, I'm gonna give you a couple examples here. I'm gonna give you some Old Testament examples. I'm gonna give you some New Testament examples because this is not a new teaching. Uh, if you ever hear somebody say, I got a brand new teaching for you, no one's ever taught on this, you should probably run, okay? <laughs> it, it's, this is not a new teaching. This is all through scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Let me give you an Old Testament example. The first one is this. You can go ahead and put up that uh, that diagram. This is the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, you have the outer courts, you have the inner courts, you have the holy place, the most holy place. The most holy place is where the presence of God would dwell physically. Here's what's interesting. In order for them to get into the most holy place, there were three things they needed to do. The first thing is that, you can put it up there, there was an altar where they would shed the blood of a lamb. Sacrifice. The second thing is there was a laver for water and washing in water. The third thing is there was a flask for anointing with oil. Some of you seen the picture. Three. You can put up that last slide for me. This is a picture of foreshadowing where we are today. They did it in the natural. We do it in the spiritual. You see, in the tabernacle, there was only one doorway. that's Jesus. He is the way, the truth. No one gets to the Father except through him, one doorway. First, there is the altar for the shedding of blood of an innocent lamb, who is Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, who shed his innocent blood for you, salvation. Next was the washing in water, water baptism. Third is the anointing with oil. Oil, especially in the Old Testament, but also in the new, is a representation of the Holy Spirit, as well as you might see it as fire, represented as fire, sometimes as the cloud, is a representation of the Holy Spirit. So what did he lay out? He said, if you want to experience the fullness of his presence, here's three things. The sacrifice of blood, the washing of water, the anointing with oil, then you can go in. You know what happened in the Old Testament if they skipped one of these steps and they tried to go into God's presence on their own terms? They fall over dead. And that's a great reminder that we we have some grace in the New Testament. But even with that grace, you cannot experience the fullness of God's presence under your rules. You go into the fullness of his presence under his rules. You see, a lot of times we'll say, well, I'll get saved and I'll get water baptized. But that Holy Spirit stuff, "Ah, I'm just going to go right around that. Why go around something that will allow you to experience God at a deeper level? Like putting this bottle in a river. Why run from it? If he's a loving God who he is, if he's got great things for you and he does, why would I go around being immersed and submerged into his presence? This isn't the only Old Testament example. I don't have this in your notes, so you can write this down. I don't have a slide for this, but 1 Corinthians 10, verse one, I read this this morning and I just, I couldn't help myself. I got to share it with you. 1 Corinthians 10, verse one and two, you can write it down. Look it up this week. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud All passed through the sea. Verse two says this, all were baptized into Moses, into the cloud and in the sea. All were baptized into Moses, in the cloud and in the sea. Who is Moses? He was their representation of Jesus. He was their savior. That's the foreshadowing of salvation. In the sea, water baptism. In the cloud who's that that's the holy spirit new testament and again i have these on your notes but i don't have slides for them because i'm just going to go through them really quick here in the new testament in acts 1 5 what do we see at the, at the end of john jesus breathes on them said receive the holy spirit that's salvation acts 1 5 he said john baptized in water there's there's water baptism you shall be baptized in the holy spirit not many days from now there's the third one in acts two thirty eight. They say, what shall we do to be saved? And they respond, repent, that's salvation. Be baptized, that's water baptism. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the third baptism. In Acts chapter eight, we looked at this a little bit earlier. It says, they believed, they were baptized and then the apostles came and they prayed for them to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's all three. In Acts 19, which is where we began, Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? He said, well, we we were disciples, we're saved. We've been water baptized. I'm like, what more? What are you talking about? He laid hands on them to receive the third baptism. Theologian, any theologian will tell you that if you find a pattern of three in scripture, that it's doctrine. I've shown you a lot today. (laughs) Old Testament, New Testament, where do you want to look? It's there. Many people say, well, that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for one group of people at one specific time on this earth. It's for the day of Pentecost only. Here's what's interesting. That was the beginning of Acts, was the day of Pentecost. In Acts 8, where they say, you need to, you need to, uh, we need to pray for them to receive it. Acts 8 was five years after Pentecost. Right? So they're, they're still talking about it. Acts 19, where we started with the Apostle Paul, 25 years after Pentecost was Paul's first question to a disciple. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If not, you better, because it's, it's going to help you. Trust me, it's going to help you. That was paul's first question 25 years after the first experience of the baptism in the holy spirit must be pretty important so what do we see salvation the three baptisms salvation you saved and you become a new person that's all you need to go to heaven but god wants you to have spiritual success here on this earth so he set up some things for else for you to do while you're here while we're waiting for jesus to come back he said get water baptized your old person is cut off it's the wedding band it's a a declaration of what's happening here If you want to do that, if you a connect card, we would love to to, to water baptize you if you've never done that before. The last one is spirit baptism. You receive the power to walk as Jesus walked. That's the simplest way I can put it. Here's what that means. Death cannot touch me, fear cannot entrap me, and sin cannot enslave me. I can walk as Jesus walked because I'm commanded to, but the Holy Spirit will help you do it. I received this baptism when I was five years old. Five years old. And can I tell you, uh, From the ages of about two to five, I was an animal of a child, okay? My mom nearly had to put me on a leash in the backyard just to keep me from running away and running down the street or being in the street or unlocking a door. Like I had to be contained, y'all. I was an animal. You thought the door was locked? I will find a way to unlock that door, okay? You didn't think I could get on the roof at three years old? I will get on the roof at three years old, okay? At five years old, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit after I had received salvation and been water baptized. It was a Wednesday night at our church, and I received this in my kids' class. My parents came to pick me up, and right there in the hallway, I had a little packet that explained the decision that I made, and I excitedly told my parents, Mom and Dad, hey, I receive Spanish tonight. Because I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And the only other language I knew was Spanish. So I was like, I got me some Spanish, y'all. Let's go. I'm good at it, right? Like, man, come on, Lord. And they were very confused at first. They said, what are you talking about? I said, I, I, I got Spanish. I, we said this prayer, and we were talking about the Holy Spirit. And they're like, ah, oh, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You received your prayer language tonight. Yeah, yeah. They're like, show us. we right there in the hallway, right? I'm five years old. I don't care. I just start praying in the Spirit right there in the hallway. People passing by. I don't care. But from five years old beyond, my life changed. And people would look at me as a toddler and as a a kid five and younger, and they would tell my parents, he's going to be a handful when he's older. There's no other explanation on what changed in my character besides the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It changed the trajectory of my life because people would have looked at me at a two, three, four-year-old that you couldn't discipline at all because I would just... They would you know, spank me and I would turn around and I would growl at them and run away. There's no, there's no other explanation besides the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because I never went to the principal's office. I never had detention. I wasn't a perfect child. That's not what I'm saying. But I will say the trajectory I was on in my own nature was totally different than from when me as a five-year-old with the faith of a child said, if God wants that for me, I want that for me put me in the river and I'll let the Holy Spirit take the rest of my life. And it changed my life. So the reflection question today is this, to ask yourself, have I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Maybe you did it one time, but you'd say, I would, it's been a long time ago. I would like someone to pray for me. The action step is pretty simple. Request the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not a physical thing that you do, the baptism part you request it from Jesus. Jesus is the one that that John said, he will baptize in in fire and in the Holy Spirit. He will baptize. So we request the baptism of the Holy Spirit from Jesus and we receive it by faith. There's no action. I don't gotta go to a dunk tank somewhere and get dunked for the baptism. No, you receive it by faith. So let me pray. And then I'm gonna ask if you would like to receive this baptism, I I would love to pray for you. Let me pray though. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for providing a way for us to have spiritual success here on this earth. I pray, Lord, that you would help us eliminate any barriers or things that would keep us from the fullness of who you are. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us the boldness to walk in obedience to your word, that if we have yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we would receive it boldly and that you would move mightily in our lives. In Jesus' name. If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second, if you're in here today and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I would love to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit today. I've never done that, but today I would like to. I want to receive what God has for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, hey, that's me. I want to receive that. I see that hand right here. Anybody else say, hey, I want to receive that. I see that hand. Say, I would love to receive that. Good, good, good. Here's what I'm going to do. If you said that, if you raise your hand just now, I'm just going to ask you, just turn your palms over, just hands up, just as a way of receiving. Let me pray for you. And as I pray for you, nothing weird is going to happen. Nothing crazy is going to happen. But the Holy Spirit, you will be immersed into spiritually. And it's not a crazy thing. It's not a weird thing, but it's a powerful thing. And I'm going to ask that Jesus would baptize you right now. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for everyone that just raised their hand, that wants a fresh baptism in your Holy Spirit. Jesus, your word says that you baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And so right now, I pray right now, would you, Holy Spirit, come and move. Jesus, would you baptize us in the Holy Spirit in a fresh way, in a new way, right now in Jesus' name? Would you submerge us, immerse us into the Holy Spirit? And we say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you move and would you clean and would you purify and would you bring peace and boldness and victory in our lives, Lord? if that was you right now, I just ask you, just ask Jesus, just quietly to yourself, say, baptize me in the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.